delicately illuminated by concealed lights, from which he would probably not gather much. The catch was that the painting at which the three were gazing so intently was not quite the same as the one in the first container, not yet. There were minute differences in colour and proportion, but gradually these differences were writing themselves, for the whole of the second canvas was being built up, atom by atom, molecule by molecule, into an exactly identical twin of the one which had felt the brush of Francis Boucher. The marvellously intricate apparatus, using an adaptation of a newly discovered magnetic principle, consumed only a moderate amount of power in arranging the lines of sympathetic fields of force which brought every proton into position and every electron into its respective balancing orbit. It was a machine which could divert the flow of great forces without the ability to tap their energy. "'Any minute now,' breathed Will. Bill rubbed his breath off the glass impatiently. "'Don't do that!' he said, and promptly fogged the glass over again. Not ungently, he attempted to rub a clear patch with Joan's own pretty nose. She exploded into laughter, fogging the glass hopelessly, and in the temporary confusion of this, they missed seeing the event they had been waiting days for, the completion of the duplicate painting to the ultimate atom. The spark gaps died with a final snap. A lamp sprang into being on the indicator panel, and the dynamo began to run worryingly down to a stop. They cleaned the window, and there stood Madame Coignette, looking rather blankly out at them with wide brown eyes that exactly matched the sepia from Boucher's palette and both beauty spots and every hair of her powdered wig in place to a millionth of a millimetre. Will turned a valve, and there was the hiss of air rushing into the chamber. He opened the window and lifted the painting out gingerly, as if he half expected it to crumble in his hands. Perfect, a beauty, he murmured. He looked up at Joan with shining eyes. Bill caught that look and unaccountably checked the impulsive whoop of joy he was on the point of letting loose. He coughed instead, and leaned over Joan's shoulder to inspect Madame Coignette more closely. "'The gamble's come off,' went on Will. "'We've sunk every cent into this, but it won't be long before we have enough money to do anything we want to do. Anything.' "'Anything except to get Bill out of bed on Sunday mornings,' smiled Joan, and they laughed. "'No sensible millionaire would get out of bed any morning,' said Bill. The steel and glass factory of Art Replicas Limited shone like a diamond up in the green hills of Surrey. In a financial sense, it had actually sprung from a diamond, the sale of a replica of the Koh-Inor. That had been the one and only product of Precious Stones Limited, an earlier company which was closed down by the government when they saw that it would destroy the world's diamond market. A sister company, Radium Products, was going strong up in the north because its scientific necessity was recognised. But the heart of the three company directors lay in art replicas, and there they spent their time. Famous works of art from all over the world passed through the factory's portals, and gave birth to innumerable replicas of themselves for distribution and sale at quite reasonable prices. Families of only moderate means found it pleasing to have a constable or turner in the dining-room, and a Rodin statue in the hall. And this widely flung ownership of objets d'art, 
which were to all intents and purposes the genuine articles, strengthened interest in art enormously. When people had lived with these things for a little while, they began to perceive the beauty in them, for real beauty is not always obvious at a glance, and to become greedy for more knowledge of them and the men who originally conceived and shaped them. So the three directors, Will, Bill, and Joan, put all their energy into satisfying the demands of the world for art, and conscious of their part in furthering civilization, were deeply content. For a time, then Bill, the impatient and easily bored, broke out one day in the middle of a director's meeting. "'Oh, to hell with the Ming estimates!' he cried, sweeping a pile of orders from the table. Joan and Will, recognizing the symptoms, exchanged wry glances of amusement. "'Look here!' went on Bill. "'I don't know what you two think, but I'm fed up. We've become nothing but dull business.